Heavy Cardboard Episode 36, Noya Hyman. Coming to you on BGGCon E from Matt's Coffee Shop. Welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium and heavy strategy board games, war games, 18xx, and other related topics in the board gaming hobby. We're your hosts. I'm Edward. I'm Tony. Let's get rolling. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about tonight's show, man. I really kind of am too, man. Cool. Let's, uh, let's remind everybody how to contact us. All right. On Twitter, at Heavy Cardboard. And if you're not following us on uh, on Twitter right now, now would be a good time for the simple fact that I'm going to be just inundating y'all with pics and, and tweets and stuff like that from BGGCon. So, at Heavy Cardboard there. Facebook, Heavy Cardboard. Email. We love getting emails. In fact, we just got a couple today um, that were really cool to hear from listeners. Contact at HeavyCardboard.com. The website, heavycardboard.com. A couple more. Our BGG Guild, number 2044. I think we hit 540 follow or um, guildies today, uh, fellow elephants. So that was awesome to see. A lot of really good discussion around what people have been playing, what they're anticipating, suggestions from one another and everything. So come and get involved. Again, that's BGG Guild, number 2044. Last but not least... I completely dropped the ball last week or last episode on, Again? I, on iTunes reviews. Um, so sincere apology to all those that left reviews. So here are some uh, props to you guys. Big thanks. This episode goes to Tiger 13 Girl, FIFO Mutex, and I'm going to butcher this one, but Kierkegaard 555 and Game Templar. Thanks a lot, y'all. And for everyone else, keep the reviews coming. I long to be on the front page of the podcast, quote-unquote, other games page on iTunes. I think that would be really, really cool. Hey, you know, we all you got to have dreams, Absolutely. Right? All right, cool. Uh, we want to thank the great people at Game Surplus for their sponsorship of our little show. They are wonderful people, and they have a great inventory of games, including a lot of imports and hard-to-find games. They're the home of great games at great prices, so check them out at www.gamesurplus.com. Tell them Heavy Cardboard sent you. And this episode was partially inspired by, by what they are doing, well, honestly, for our listeners. So we'll hit on this more later. But, yeah, big big thanks for Velma and Amos going the extra mile and hopefully hooking you all up. So we'll touch on that in a bit. Now, yes. contest time. Yes. We uh, Last episode, we had a contest offer for those listeners. A little scavenger huntage. Yeah, something a little bit different. And uh, it definitely showed in the in the number of respondents. Um, we didn't have as many as normal, but we still had a, a fair amount. So thanks to all that uh, that entered, that emailed, and, and went through the, uh, the answer in the question. Right so that hopefully you all had fun with it. But anyway, um, congrats to Martin Underwood for not only getting all the answers right, but also for being the lucky one that random.org chose. Contact us and we'll get your info over to the uh, great fo- folks at Cardboard Congregation. And thanks again to them for helping us with another giveaway. All right, before we start the show, we, we have a little habit of talking about just various things going on in our lives and stuff. So what's cooking with you? Well, first off, Extra Life, I would say, was a pretty big success. Yeah, I guess that's what's cooking with us. Yeah, right. Uh, we raised $343. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks to everybody that uh, chipped in for that. That was really cool. It was a lot of fun. And our team raised almost $5,000 total for everybody up there at the Haunted Game Cafe By in the way, Fort Collins. really nice shop. Yeah. Really nice shop. It, and, it, and really cool guy running. If that were 
local to us and not an hour away, it would absolutely be our FLGS. They are an F. LGS. Right, as opposed to our LGS that we have here in town. We had fun. We we made some new friends. We rekindled with some old ones, etc. Yeah, it was really good time and played a good raft of games, too. As good as the games were, I gotta say, Young's Cafe in Fort Collins, oh. Colorado. Dude, that lemongrass chicken noodle soup and the clay pot pork are spectacular. You wouldn't wow. think Vietnamese yeah. restaurant in Fort Collins would be all that hot, but... Oh my! And it's it, like it a hundred, hundred feet from the yeah. haunted game cafe. Yeah. So if you're ever in town there, go check them out and seriously go eat there. It's absolutely wonderful. You betcha. So we're talking about some of the games we played there, I kind of wanted to bring up one in particular. Yeah, yeah, most so, definitely. So the last game that we played that night, we didn't do 24 hours. We're older, and so we did like 16, 17 hours, Something whatever. Like that, yeah. And uh, the last one we played was a five-player game of Food Chain Magnate with uh, you, me, Matt, or Bringu, right, his name, Bringu. and uh, Lenny, and another, a another new Matt. Mark, or another it was, Matt. It was, yeah, right? it was another Matt. And we had a blast. We taught a couple of the new people. We were having a good time. You and I had no chance in the game. We did not play really well. Man, I was tired, too. Oh, for me, it's just I was focused on teaching oh, and everything. Man, I was, but I was really, really, really tired. Until. Until. And and this woke me up. The drive home was easy. So if there was ever a good example, you, you know you hear about people uh, spilling drinks and, and doing all that on, on games. Never seen it before. Never have. But I can't say that anymore because uh, our buddy Matt Bringu um, had a gallon-sized cup of coffee. It was a big cup. <laughs> on, on the table. And he was so excited. He was into the game. He was doing really well. He was just jacked up and boom, knocked over his coffee all over all the uh, all the cards, all huh? the employee yeah. cards. That that was a perfect example of why we sleeve cards. Yeah. So and have capped drinks at the table. Yeah, it, that's why we never have that here at the house. But anyway, um, I went from immediately being pissed off. I mean, I'm human, right? The, that's the first reaction when you see coffee on like a hundred and thirty dollar game. You're like. <laughs> yeah. So immediately going to, I genuinely felt bad for Matt. Yeah. Because the dude was just mortified. He was. Not only was he just, oh my god, I can't believe I did this, but we were on the center table of all the all the tables in the shop, so everybody saw it. And it's not something you really want to have everyone notice that you did. And so he panicked and started taking all the cards <laughs> yeah. that were covered. Right. That were covered in coffee, throwing them on cards and everything else that didn't have any coffee on it. Just from, he <laughs> oh was my like, God. oh, I gotta, gotta clear get, these out of the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Long story short, made for a hell of a funny story. Um, and congratulations, Matt. You're now the uh, owner of one copy of Food Chain Magnate. With a the, little bit of coffee on it. Right. He said only three of the cards really had yeah. any real damage yeah. to them, which that's fine. Um, and the good news all, all ends uh, well. He has another copy coming, which I guess is going to be mine. Sure, sure. But, but the coolest thing yeah, to come out of We're not letting him off the hook, though. Is, and you did an amazing job with this. Well, on the way back, we were talking about making a custom restaurant for Matt. Right. And so... Uh, we, to commemorate this event. Because <laughs> it will live on <laughs> in infamy. Uh, you made a custom restaurant. You know, the, the three tiles, tiles. And the one turn order one of Bring Goose Coffee Shop. Yep. 
it's awesome. And so now that is mandatory to be played with in every game. So he's got his copy. Yes. And we have our copies of those tiles. Yeah. So that so was pretty cool. If you want a copy of Brain Goo's Coffee Shop, let us know. We can we'll send you the file. Right. So yeah. Anyway, so that that ended um, that ended extra life on a uh, well. Let's just say the hour long drive in the middle of the night wasn't so hard. Uh, let's see what else. We signed the contract for HeavyCon this week uh, mm-hmm. with the hotel, which means the first wave of invites should, in theory, go out next week. Yep. So uh, after yeah, BGGCon, uh, Flotsam and Jetsam yeah, right. gets gets run off last Friday in Paris. Really kind of you know pissed me off a lot. I felt it, and uh, I just want to say terrorism is cowardice. Q ISIS, je suis Paris. Yeah, I. Uh, they're animals. Just absolute totally. animals. There, there's no redeeming qualities None. about them whatsoever. And the better, the, the faster they're off the face of the earth, the better. Indeed. Uh, staying serious, maybe for a second. Sure. Our, our friend uh, Dave, we call him Banker Dave on the right. show or whatever. Yep. But um, uh, Dave, uh, you'll hear this episode when you recover from your surgery, man. Uh, we are wishing you a speedy recovery and many more years of gaming. We're thinking about you and, and hope all goes well. Yeah, man. The only type of surgery that's minor is when it's not happening to you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so Godspeed. His name is minor, but the surgery isn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what else? on the later stuff, um, BGGCon starts tomorrow, or in theory tomorrow, um, or when you guys are hearing this, it's Thursday, so it's currently going on when this releases. Uh, I'm still legitimately bummed that, uh, that you're not coming, dude. Uh, I really am. I am too, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it sucks. Yeah, I I feel guilty like talking about it. I mean, I, I feel like I need to, but at the same time, I, I feel like I'm twisting a knife, but understand yeah, that it's you, not on purpose. You are, but no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's all right. So speaking of BGGCon and everything, um, we have a blizzard coming in tonight, and they're talking 8 to 14 inches of snow overnight tonight, and my plane, mine and Amanda's plane, is supposed to leave about 11.30 tomorrow morning. We hope. With the blizzard and everything, um, should be exciting. Speaking of BGGCon, mm-hmm. we had 30 shirts made, and to be honest with you, I think they turned out pretty great. Uh, yeah. They're tri-blend shirts and a cool Super design. Super high-quality shirt. Yeah. it's uh, Well, I got it strictly from a, 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 uh, a selfish standpoint because I want comfortable shirts to wear. Well, and, yeah, you know, one shirt that's going to last, too. Exactly. And so we we splurged a little, went a, b- a little bit more with the expensive shirts. And our buddy Mo helped design it and right. did an Board awesome job. Huh? Yep. Yep. Um, so we're going to have them for sale at BGGCon. And after I get back, we'll have them for sale, what's left over uh, on the site. And all proceeds go to, well, he- us. Heavy cardboard. Yeah, and helping the site. <laughs> right. And, and just helping... The show right, in general. Right. We need to switch hosting. We need a second microphone. We, <laughs> we need a mixing board, all this stuff. So, yeah, that would go a long way. Yeah. So, uh, if you're interested, yeah, that would be cool. The last thing is the Heavy Cardboard Gathering. I keep harping on this, but I want to make sure that you guys are fully aware of it. Thursday night. So, the night. At BTG Con. Right. The night this or the day this releases, Thursday night, 8 p.m. to midnight in room 1113. We got a pretty diverse group of companies coming out. Uh, and helping us with giveaways are Tana, The Broken Token, Golden Egg Games, Nightwork Games, Level 99 Games, Mayday Games, Meeple Source, and Stronghold Games are, have all chipped in for giveaways, so big thanks to them. 
There may be others, but those are the ones that have committed already. Right. And it just bodes well for a great gathering. Also, I'm pretty excited that I know uh, there are a number of designers, publishers, and developers that are planning on stopping by to hang out and a game because it's four hours. And I know most of them plan on coming for at least a few of those hours. And I got to be honest, I'm really stoked. The Splatter guys are going to be there yeah, as man. well. And uh, actually, um, Yarun had scheduled, he wants to play the uh, heavy cardboard map uh, for Age of Steam. Nice. And I was like, awesome, I'll, I'll go and get my ass kicked. Yep. Cool, rock on. I don't know what would be cooler, getting your ass kicked at Food Chain Magnate by him. I, the <laughs> thing is with that is I would feel bad making him play that. I, dude's <laughs> got to be sick of the game. Maybe so, so that's why, in anything but Splatter. But it'll be over quick. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I figured in a So anyway, make sure you come by. Thursday night, the night this releases at BGGCon, 8 p.m. to midnight local time, room 1113-1113. I know that uh, you're going to be acquiring some games at BGGCon. Oh, my God. <laughs> but in the past two weeks, what have you acquired? Um, well, the Deluvia Project and Haithabu have come in from Spielworks. So thank you, been... Uli. Uh, looking forward to getting more plays of those, or a play, at least, of Haithabu. Because right, right, we've right. played... Deluvia yeah, Project. Yeah. I have not played Haifabu. Uh, a gift from Santa Grogs. Um, in my prep here, I was going to say, going to see if I can wait to open it. And I was told by Amanda, no, you're going to open it tonight. So <laughs> thank you, Santa Grogs, because I just... Splendor. I just... <laughs> or, <laughs> no peace without Spain. Uh, so I, it's really high on my, on my want list. And yeah, so thanks, cool. Santa Grogs. Cool thing about that is dude said I, ha- I can expect something from his his home area, you know, mm-hmm. um, in January or February, and then something else in, like, July or August. Talk about extending the holiday. That's awesome. I can't wait. So, yeah, that's cool. And, um, yeah, I expect next episode that this segment's going to be about 30 minutes long from the amount of stuff that I, <laughs> I plan on acquiring at BGGCon. It's it's a sickness. It's disgusting. Right on. All right. How about you, Ma? Uh, just a few things. Uh, Lignum and the Gallerist came in. Oh, Lignum, huh? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. More on that. Uh, Paul Myra and Patch History came from my Heavy Cardboard Secret Santa, so thank you very, very much. Those were, have been on my want list, and they are now not on my want list. <laughs> Rock on. Uh, Britannia came in. And uh, I got some new promo buildings for Alhambra for the which, wifey. Which I saw you, you beat her at yesterday for the yeah, first time. Exactly. Rock on, congrats. You know what the weird thing was when we were playing? So there's like these nine new buildings in the bag. I swear to God, the first draw, she pulled like three of them out. I'm like, wait a minute here. What? <laughs> they, they were like wanting to jump out of the bag or something. It was bizarre. Wait, All right. Bizarre. So uh, let's see. What, uh, what games are you hunting for or maybe anticipating? Just everything I'm getting from BGGCon, to be honest. There's just, I mean, probably the biggest just to be able to bask in the awesomeness that it is. That's Mega Civ. I just want to see how ridiculous and over the top this thing is. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to, to getting my copy. Um, there's a lot. PAX Premier, the collector's edition of PAX Porfiriana. The box looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to check that out. And there are, yeah, there's probably about 20 games, so I'm not going to. Yeah, we'll we'll hit on that next episode. How about you? Uh, well, several things. I am eagerly anticipating uh, Neil's pocket or package from Germany. I was really hoping that DHL would get it here before you left for BGGCon because in there is a copy for you of Pymouth Flowman. I would like to and, and oh my goods, yeah, to to bring those. But I'm sure somebody there 
from you know our our listeners and everything when we get together they'll have copies so i appreciate the thought but yeah and, and it I, wasn't in the cards I, ah! uh, orleans the invasion is en route i was really hoping that would be here tonight too my copy of orleans or, orleans. or uh, of orleans uh the deluxe edition yes um it shipped and it's currently i think in ohio so okay. uh you'll be You'll be in charge of taking care Maybe of that. When sweeping they... that off of your porch. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, Nippon, looking forward to that. Of Veronica course. gave us an update. She said they expect their stock in a week or so. So, so maybe two, soon, three weeks, right? four weeks, somewhere in there, we'll get our copies. And uh, much to Edward's surprise, uh, I'm going to acquire uh, for us, my friend, for us, a copy of U.S. Civil War. Woohoo! All right. I'm excited about that. I'm glad. Um Scott brought a copy to Extra Life so we could check it out. The map looked gorgeous. Oh my God. It just I'm all it did was amp up my want to play on that really high. So yeah, and that very cool. that helped me want to get into it too. You know, I'm, I'm such a Civil War buff, and when I started seeing like the names on the map and everything, I'm like, ah, hell. So thanks, Scott, for the yeah. help. I appreciate. Yeah, really, it, it worked. <laughs> so we've been playing a few games here. Um, just right off the top here, let's talk. Noya Heimat, Macau, and Ships. Yes, we've been playing those things, but yes, we're going to talk more about all of those games soon. Absolutely. So uh, let's talk about other games then. All right, uh, Lignum. We played uh, Dueling Games of Lignum on Saturday. Yeah, a- ask me how many copies of those were mine. Well, how many copies of those were yours? Zero. Yeah, hey. we had two. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Phil. Yeah, thanks, Phil. You have your copy. Phil, let us borrow ours or his. Um, but I'm really upset at the poor job that Spiel Offensive and Happy Shops, the distributor uh, regarding the game Lignum, it appears that they're working on fixing their production issues. They just posted something on the uh, on the crowdfunding update you gotcha. know, thing because it was crowdfunded the in German, German. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Spiel or Schmiede. So or something I, I like ordered that. two copies back in March, and I still everybody else in America it seems just about. I know Nate and there's a couple others that haven't. But it seems like the majority have. But a couple of us fell through the cracks, and they mm. did nothing to communicate this to us. Sure. Had we not contacted them, we'd <clears> never <throat> know. We wouldn't have a clue. It's just it's frustrating to not have good communication. And on that note, why is it so hard for companies to comprehend that if you just communicate with your customers, your backers, whatever, they will be so much more understanding and patient yeah. than if you just stick your head in the sand and ignore them? It doesn't make sense. It's a simple as concept that seems to elude so many companies. Just yeah. you, you just man up. Seriously. Know? Hey, look, we've had production issues. There's going to be delays. I apologize, yeah. but I wanted to keep you in the loop. You okay. Yeah. It's just a game. We're not saving lives here, but communication is wonderful. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So anyway, back to Lignum. So um, <laughs> uh, what did you think of it? We played the advanced game. I really do want to play the expert game. Right. With the planned actions. There, yeah. are, there are the three levels of game. There's yeah. the basic or introductory Don't bother. Game, whatever. Um, the advanced game we played, I really enjoyed it. Everybody at our table, mm-hmm. it was me, Amanda, and Paul Chad. Right. Uh, all played it, and we all really enjoyed it. Curious to see what the expert game then gives, uh, adds to it that sure. didn't, but it, I'm not saying it's special or anything no, like that off no, this initial no, no. play, but there's enough there that I'm anxious and looking forward to future plays, and yeah. then we'll determine from there how good it is. It's not going to be bad for me, 
Okay. It's just a matter of how much do I like it. I don't yeah. know yet. Right, right. And it's hard to tell after one. There sure. Were, I, I mean, I didn't love it. I, I definitely liked it. There were things, um, parts of the game were challenging. I really enjoyed how different workers and tools combined together to do things. I thought that was pretty smart. But I really felt like it was pretty tactical. Decisions were kind of obvious for me. So I definitely want some more plays with the expert game and see where that goes from there. Cool. Uh, for me... It didn't feel uh, like so many obvious decisions for me in our game. So hopefully that was just okay. maybe a first play type thing that could have been. But anyway, so that's Lignum. So uh, Britannia. I have the game. I brought the game. I taught the game. I didn't get to play the game. So I'm really – I got a little bit of feedback from you. I'm really uh, curious to hear what you thought about the game. You and Paul Chad and, and uh, Sweater Mike. Yeah, played. all played that. And I enjoyed it. I would I would say that just off the, again initial play impression as all this is, but in Britannia, my excitement level was a step or two below Lignum. Mm -hmm. I as far as actually how it left me feeling throughout the game, it felt like it just kind of got a little samey, mm -hmm. uh, kind of rinse and repeat, and yeah. didn't really. It didn't advance. It didn't ramp up. That's what Paul Chad said. After two rounds, he was like, this is really cool. And after five rounds, he's like, wow, that, that was really of, repetitive. Uh, exactly. And so I want to play it again. Uh, I'm, I want to get a four-player game in. Absolutely. Yeah, it I, sounds I like it's on the auction. Show. No, no, no. I'm not saying that necessarily. Just <laughs> I read an games. initial play. That's how it, it felt. Yeah. Cool, cool uh, oh, theme. The artwork and, and on the, the artwork oh. was nice, and yeah, I yeah. enjoyed it. But it it, it 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 absolutely will not be a special game. It's just whether or not, since you have it, do you keep it or not? That that's yeah. up in the air. That's I, I kind of where it's going okay. to land. I think. And uh, that's Britannia. Britannia, the Gallerist. It was one that um, I w I wanted you to play too, but that was when you were playing Britannia. We we'll, the numbers we'll, just yeah, we'll sync up on all yeah, this stuff yeah, too. Yeah. But uh, I had a four player game of it. Holy cow, that is a huge box. Oh, I my mean, God. <laughs> and it's gorgeous. Oh, yeah. I, I'm uh, going to say tool, nice work, buddy. this and P. Mal Flauman are, are my initial thoughts of when I think best artwork in yeah. games, it's going to come down nice. to those two so nice. far. So, yeah, absolutely stunning production. So we play with four. Okay. And at first, man, the, the constant bumping of workers and assistants just really – ground the game to a snail's pace. Am I saying this? I'm actually saying this faster than I'd like to say it. Uh, and, was, and frankly, it was really pissing me off. Okay. Um, now, a lot of it could have been, you know, hey, we were learning the game. Um, I also had uh, work in my ear with servers rebooting and, and you know, miscellaneous distractions like that. You had your grandson, grandson here. Grandson was here. And Later in the games, in the game, things really settled out, and I really began to enjoy it. Okay, so, all right. So I really don't know what to think there. I want to play it again. Two of the players that played the game have no interest in playing it again. Me and um, and one other player do have interest in playing it again. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Okay, I I obviously am am anticipating my play because I mean it was a you know that was the one that I omitted huh. from my anticipation list, but I. It, Accidentally, but I'm looking forward to getting it played well. Yeah. Well, I omitted it on purpose. Okay, on my list. But so for me, it was really an impulse buy. Okay, and uh, showed up. You know, because you didn't back it. Just I was didn't back it. Fact, this was an right? impulse buy. Um, just based on you know, I was like, it's freaking Vital Lacerda. I must try the game. You absolutely, know, so, given the benefit I mean, of the doubt. Absolutely. So anyway, cool. The gallerist.
So of course we played FCM. We talked about that with uh, Matt. You know, <laughs> so maybe we retheme it and do like a Starbucks version. <laughs> we can do coffee, tea, bottled water, right. donuts, and sandwiches. Okay, you've yes. given this thought. <laughs> yes. Uh, so well, anyway, hold on, hold on. On that note, um, I don't know if you saw, but yesterday Matt uh, got oh, on this. Yeah, on this. That was pen. today. Uh, no, it was last night. It was last night. He carried it over. Oh, okay, but he was uh, got on this pimping kick. For food chain magnet, and yeah. he, he found some dollhouse miniatures that were cokes, coke bottles, Heineken cans. Yeah, Heineken can. The, just do the hamburgers look amazing. I, I, yeah, that. I mean, don't get me wrong. The components on food chain I, magnet. I'm fantastic, sticking with the meeples. But dude, that Gorgeous. that's a quality. Pin. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really really cool. So totally, uh, I'm anxious to see that when uh, when I get him his copy back. All right, I should mention that Matt was gracious enough. To lend me his new copy, which is my old copy, so I can take it to BGG Con, yes. so I can get it played as well. Officially, the con copy. Yes. <laughs> uh, Alhambra, you know, played that with the wife. It's one of her favorites. I never uh, played that. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a total random fest, but it's got a really really cool spatial element and everything, and I enjoy. Oh, which playing means I'm going to be terrible at it. Okay. Somehow she conquers the randomness, and but anyway, beat her by two points. So I'm pretty impressed. Dude. Fist bump. So next time it's strip. Alhambra. Uh, <laughs> Two player. So uh, I don't want to be involved. No, in that. no, okay, no, good. definitely right, not. Cool. Uh, we won't periscope it either. Uh, so the wife is a good soldier. So I got a two-player Haithabu in to learn that. Learn that game. It's essentially an abstract pickup and deliver. Okay, you guys know listening that especially me, less so you, but especially me, I am a huge Spielworks fan. Yes, you are. That said. The next positive thing I hear about this mm-hmm. game is going to be the first, and that's a bummer. I'm I, still excited to play yeah. it. I'm excited to try it, and I know the Viking theme is a huge, huge thing for you. Sure, um, sure. But I've heard that some of the randomness is just a game-breaker yeah. for for a I, lot of people. I would say that I'm publisher agnostic, but I'm a huge Uli fan as okay. a person. Very, It's a pretty game. I really like the way it looks on the table, but... I, my, my just my initial impressions is heavy cardboard perspective. Mm, not not really gonna not really gonna make it. The the random stuff is really what what killed me. So my wife was a good soldier. So here's what we did: we played part of the game using the the actual event rules, and um, yeah, they were terrible. You know, it's die rolling. Okay. Or, you know, hey, if I rolled a five, I lost my wagon. You know that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, and then I I actually before we played, I made up two variants. And just we played, just tried to brainstorm. Right okay. And so we played part of the game with the original, part of the game with variant one, and part of the game variant two. Variant one was I made up a different die roll chart where nothing happens to the other players. It's only whether something happens to you right. yourself. Okay. And it's just money. Okay. You know, and there's a lot of money flowing in and out of the game. But the variant I really liked was there's four spaces in the dark dark half of the wheel. So the first space cost twenty, then the next one thirty. And then 30, then 40. So you can actually make a conscious decision. Because what we found was rolling the dice and looking up, the, it was adding time to the game for absolutely no value. Okay. So with this, you can actually make a business decision. And it gave us the, oh, if I just wait for this action one phase, it's going to be free. Oh. You know, some decisions like that. Or I need to take this now because next phase, this decision is going to cost me money. I don't have a ton of reference to yeah. be able to, you know, points of reference to, to be able to make heads or tails of that. But I definitely want to play one game. Absolutely. We, and we shall. When you return, we yeah. shall. 
And then, and then if, if we're, if I'm like the majority of people out there that I've heard talking about it, feel the same, then yeah, absolutely. Let's give it a try because I want to, you're talking about variants and actually our featured game is going to entail many variants as well. So it, I'm not opposed to doing that if it improves, you know, our gameplay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm interested in the variants just because. Uh, thematically and with the six markets, man, I really want this game to work out. You know, okay, so. cool. Rock so, uh, Haithabu. And then um, we played a game of the Aufsteiger, or the Climbers. Yeah, which is... And that almost had an accident, too, did it not? That, that had a drink from a different person. Um, <laughs> Anna, uh, I believe it was Anno's husband. Yes, it uh, was. Who, I think it missed it by an eighth of an inch from spilling all over yeah, my water. black pieces, but still... Just Always fun game attracts new folks. What top twenty game for me? And I'm not an abstract guy, and I just love the climbers. So yeah, got yeah. to play that in. That was great. Uh, the last the last game on my list that I know you and I played together was Patchwork. That was your first Patchwork. I finally experience. got to play yeah. it. In. Oh my god, I really enjoyed it. And oh my god, I think I finished a negative. Yeah, maybe no, <laughs> you didn't do that bad. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed that game. And you have this big bowl. Of buttons at your work. Yeah. And I saw that and we both were like, dude, you got to pimp out patchwork. Currency. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was pretty cool. I think that's got it all. Did I miss anything? That, uh, oh, that you, oh yes, I did. Yeah. I, I have a few. Um, my buddy, Mark Johnson from board games to go, he flew up from California as he is wont to do just about every week. Uh, and he came over and we got in a couple. I mean, of, can't blame him. Well, from California. Well, Denver. Denver. Come on. What he does for a living is pretty cool. Oh, and yeah. what is it? He he works for JPL, Jet Propulsion Laboratory, oh, yeah. i.e. NASA. Yeah. And they have a mission to Mars that launches in March. Cool. And so they're building the actual thing here yeah. in Denver. Yeah. And so and yet he works out in California, so he makes trips all the time. Anyway. Right on. We played uh, his first game of German Railways, uh, yeah. which was really, really enjoyable. And he's like, oh. yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to pick and choose who I have play this game with me. Yeah. For the simple fact that even though people might be winning the game, if they don't get a turn, some people might get butthurt yeah. over that. Yeah, it's definitely um, one of those. And yeah. that reminds me, I acquired a copy of that at Extra Life. I, I did on the charity bid and won that one. Right. Yeah, Rock yeah. on. Um, so, yeah, that was a lot of fun. We also played a couple of co- or a couple times. I did. In the last week, uh, the SNCF Moon and we Map. just played that on Saturday as well. Yeah. With, uh, we had a, a new guy joining our group on Saturday. We did, and that was cool. And that he was, never played it before. Right. So. No. That, it. The Moon Map is, is definitely a lot of fun for SNCF or, or Paris Connection. Is that DJ Cobb? Yep. Yes. Also, you forgot uh, we got in a two-player game to start off Extra Life of Arboretum. Oh, yeah, man. And you smoked me in that, as you are wont to do. And next time I win that, will be the first. <laughs> uh, I, I'm pretty good at that one, but, but I, yeah, don't know, I don't know why. That's pretty much it. And and to be honest with you, uh, it's been it's been pretty crazy here with BGGCon prep and getting the heavy con stuff uh, worked out and just life getting in the way. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm sure I'm going to play a lot of games over the course of the next five days, six days or so. So should be good to make that up. We're having a BGG can at my house Saturday. <laughs> Which is awesome. I think that's cool that you guys are doing. We're going to play 18XX. Rock on. All right.
All right, it is time to talk about the new Martin Wallace game, Ships. So as you said, Ships is Martin Wallace, Tree Frog is the publisher, his own, oh, next to last. Next uh, to last. Next to last production. 2015 release, plays two to four players, and plays in about two hours. So what's going on in Ships? Well, Ships is going to instantly make folks think automobile when they see it due to the ship progression track around the edge of the board. Outside of that, though, really, that's where the similarities to automobile end. No other resemblance. In a nutshell, this is a near-zero randomness race game where players take sequential turns taking one or more actions by spending their colored action cubes and or one-time-use black action cubes. By choosing one of the available eight actions, some of which are building ships, upgrading ships, selecting one of the one-time-use special power cards, or taking a couple of navigation tokens, etc., players will advance the technology of their ships. This will potentially make older ships obsolete and cost any player that has ships an age or two ages old points. As players build ships, this allows them the ability to claim cities or place out merchants on the board, which gives players benefit or resources or other benefits and will score that player points when the age is scored. Ages are scored when players advance into the next age by spending navigation tokens that they've acquired. In the end, as I said, it's a race game, so that when five or more ships are built between all the players in the 11th and final age, this triggers the final round of the game. When that happens, players will be racing to place cities and merchants in the final region on the board, which will score by far the largest amounts of points Mm -hmm. in the game. Once the final round is complete, the final region is scored, and whomever has the most points wins. Really? Most points? Yeah, (laughs) shocking. (laughs) I know, right? So, some stuff that we dig about the game. Um, First off, I think it's really, really attractive. BEA, beautiful. And I'm saying not just... The limited edition with the with the wooden ships, which do add to it. Don't yeah, get me yeah, wrong. Yeah. Just I'm talking the colors, just the, the way board. it's it's just beautiful. Yeah. It's really well yeah. done. So so props to Martin and in uh, the 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 design team in that aspect. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think this game is uh, heavier or lighter than Automobile? <sighs> you know, I struggle with this because of the fact that some of the stuff that I've read recently, which I'm going to get into okay. at the end. I don't know the answer to that right now. Okay. I don't feel like I've played it enough to be able to give a, a really sure solid answer on that. Okay. How okay. about do uh, you? Uh, I feel like it's lighter. Okay. You know, I don't. I don't think it's uh, even with less randomness than automobile. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Um, I really like this thing. I call I call it the cube ledger. Your player board has like. Here's a little section of these are the cubes I own, and here's a little section of these are the cubes I can use right now. And there's a section of here are the actions I can take and move cubes to them, and you can have the cities, you know, the little discs that come off to expand your warehouse or your bank. That's like the ledger I call it, but I could see that. I really think that's cool because everything is right there, and you can manage your player board pretty effectively and everything. And plus the the actual spending of the cubes on actions. And, and having the black cubes you mentioned, I really think that part's pretty neat. I I also enjoy it, but not as much as somebody like Amanda does, who she has her own tableau and she can kind of get in her own little world and really plan her stuff out nice. while at the same time 
watching what the other people are doing, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I, I definitely can see that. I like the progression of the ships and I'm not talking just, Ooh, that's cool. We're moving into Viking ships now, right. but just the actual mechanic of how the progression works and the, the rusting, if you will, of the older ships or the, the, the obsolescence of the older ships mm -hmm. and how that really pushes the game and forces players to either upgrade or remove their ships before it starts costing them points. I dig that. Yeah, I think that um, that that lends a bit of a timing and the race element to the game as well, just because, you know, pushing that technology track is something that you could do. And, um, yeah, I think, that, I think that adds a little bit of racing to it, and uh, I don't really like that. I'm not a big <laughs> fan of race games. Like, the one that comes to mind whenever I hear race game is Manhattan Project, mm -hmm. worker placement, Never played uh, race game that I just, I just, I'm just not too keen on those as a general rule. Um, and yeah, I agree that maybe not, not my favorite aspect of the game. In, in my last game, the one we played at Extra Life, um, my entire strategy I went into that game was never to have more than two ships on the board at any one time. And for about 80% of the game, I have ever had one ship on the board at any one time. Because my point was, um, I'm not going to get caught losing negative points, and I'm going to spend every navigation possible, every navigation token I can gather possible on pushing the technology, pushing the technology, and end the game before anybody gets to Area 7. And you did a good job of that. You definitely forced the game. It moved considerably faster than our first game did. It did. It did. I, uh, I, not by a lot, but I won the game, and I feel like I didn't really even play the ship's part, and that, that kind of bugs me. But at the same time, that kind of leads into the whole it appears that there are multiple viable strategies in the game, kind of like what you were doing as well as, you know, uh, just the planning on the long game, so to speak. But if someone's pushing it, like... I don't know. Yeah, I know. I don't have enough experience I, I to be able to say, is there a I, way I, to counter that? I don't feel I don't. like there is. Okay. you can't interfere with someone getting NAV tokens. But anyway. So it's tactical in a sense that players provide opportunities in which you are, a, you know, it gives you the chance to capitalize on them. Um, but uh, you have to have the resources and everything available to you at your disposal that you've accumulated already to capitalize. So it's not strictly tactical as it might seem at first. Because hmm. I I read um, one guy's uh, session kind of pseudo session report saying, while it wasn't his turn, he actually got up and started talking with other people at game right. day and whatever, and just then he would come back to see what had happened and. That's kind of at the level at which I am right now with this game, but, and I'll talk about this more here in a little bit, that I do think that there may be deeper levels that we're not at. I'm not saying there is. I said I think there may be. Okay. Okay. So I I like the idea of that, at least. Well, go ahead, because, um, like, uh, German Mike is wondering um, about the tactical level of the game and, you know, planning ahead and everything, and... You know, and he mentions that you really don't, you know, if you're playing with four players, you know, you don't really know the board state until it gets back around to you. Hence why that guy you're talking about can walk around and, you know, go buy a lemonade and stuff from, from a, this local food chain magnate and, <laughs> um, while it's not his turn. And they come back and look at the board and go, okay. But again, that could be inexperience of play. It could be one of those things. But I'll get into that here sure. in a little bit, okay? So... Do you have anything else, like, on the positive side of the ledger? Uh, yes, recovering cubes. Uh -huh. 
when you take that, use that take back cubes action. To be able to you get your colored cubes back yeah. that you've spent previously. Because the black ones are one-time use, sure. but the colored cubes of yours, you have to actually use, use an a cube. Right. <laughs> yeah, to, I, it, to unlock them. It's kind of expensive, and I think it's really, uh, it's an, another cool aspect of that ledger mechanic, and I, I really like that. And it's something you need to plan for, or else you're going right. to short yourself action. Absolutely, man. So on the other side of the uh, of the so-called ledger here, we have things that we're not super keen on. Yes. Uh, I'll start off. AP-prone players yeah. um, are definitely going to make uh, for some serious downtime. Uh, just, yeah, they can. But, again, that and could be said for most any game. I don't, it can be said for a lot, but I think yeah. it's because when it's your turn, you've got to look at what the board state is. And decide what to do because it's it, it tends to it, right. it's more tactical than not because when it when it was last year turn we we're in age three it's come around the table and we're in age five now and there's only one other ship on the you know what I mean it's like you have to all right well now what am I going to do because I really plan to push it to age five now I can't absolute fair yeah. point yeah so to play the game well you kind of got to play the game backwards or so I've been reading and it makes a lot of sense to me. What I mean is that the final couple of turns is where the majority of the scoring is going to take place. Right. So you have to plan for that and start there and then kind of work your way backwards on how do you get to there. And that's not the most intuitive concept and it's not always obvious as far as that. And everything stems from that. And to be honest with you, I only realized it while doing all my prep for the show. I, I didn't realize that during my first two plays of the game. Mm. So so that's not – I guess it's a negative in a sense that it wasn't obvious to me. Okay. And, and maybe that's a positive. I don't know. But I figure I'd mention it. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I guess I didn't really feel that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So kind of to go back on what you said to where you didn't really play the ships part of the game – I mean, the game, name of the game is ships, right. and at times, I if not ship. often, you're going to find yourself without many or any ships on the board. And that just, again, with the counterintuitiveness, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I've only played the game twice, hence why it's a trailer versus a feature. Right. Um, but the gameplay felt a bit, I don't know, bland. Absolutely. It, it, it is just the, the best way I know to, to say. All yeah. Right? Martin's, Martin's games for me are... Hit and miss. Yep, you know, I agree. Um, I, I feel like this one's a bit of a miss for all these reasons. Okay, so do you, do you want to give it a rating, or are you not ready to, um, since only a couple of plays? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess take it with a grain of salt. I'm going to say it's a four, because I think the cube ledger that I called it is really, really neat. And there's a lot of cool things happening in the game, but it just, it to me, for me, it, it doesn't add up. Some of the parts don't add up to the number that... Maybe I was hoping it would. Okay. And that four is out of six. So yeah. still possibly above average. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm, in fact, my copy is already on the heavy cardboard auction shelf. Okay. So what about your opinion, your your summary and rating? Do you have a rating? Yeah. Uh, well, I was fully ready to give the game a three rating and honestly to bring it with me and sell it at BGGCon. Some interesting things, but overall kind of, eh, you know, kind of yeah. bland, like I said. And I still might do that in the future, but during my preparation for the show, I read some things that have kind of given me pause. The main concept of the backwards design, planning for the endgame scoring bonanza and planning well for it, 
and the general feeling that this game might have more to offer than I first thought. However, it appears to be one of those games that's going to kind of force you to work at it, to get it, and to become a competent player. Hmm. At least, possibly, that's the case. Some games do this and really appeal to me. We're going to talk about one here in a little bit. Um, while others, and there are some winsome games that come to mind that fall into the, the absolutely no interest in working at, like a Dutch inner city just did not appeal to me in the mm-hmm. least. And okay. it's one of those games to where you got to play it a dozen times and, and then it starts, you know, sure. un, un, unfolding before you. I'm not sure where ships is going to fall, but I, I've read enough and thought enough about it over the last week to know that I'm I'm not quite willing to write it off quite yet and sell my copy. Hmm. So in the end, it's kind of a to-be-determined rating, and, and hopefully I get to revisit it in an upcoming episode. So it's, like I said, just enough. It's giving me pause. And that's ships. That's a doggy pause. <laughs> All right, let's talk about some Steffenfeld goodness or, or not, depending mm-hmm. on your point of view. Pitch it. Macau. Macau is not a, the bird. No, no, okay. or the city state. Okay. Um, Macau is a 2009 Steffenfeld release, and uh, it's a game that's been on my shelf, your shelf, uh, for for several years, and I've seen a number of plays, but I, but I haven't broke it out in quite a while. And then uh, uh, Matt wanted to play it at Extra Life, so we broke it out, and uh, that kind of inspired a. You know what? We should talk about this as a trailer. So. Uh, what's going on in the game? Not going to talk too deeply about it. Let's just say it's a pick up and deliver dice rolling action point system with a card draft in it. All right. Uh, each turn, the players are going to draft a new building slash person card for their tableau. You can only ever have five during the game. So at some point, about almost halfway through the game, unless you've been getting those cards activated from your tableau, you're going to run into a bit of a traffic jam there. And it is a Stefan Fell game, so you'll get a bit of a victory point penalty to go with that. Of course. Punish me, Stefan. Exactly. Uh, all the cards are going to cost a different combination of colors and quantity of, of cubes to activate them and get them into play and off of your tableau. But they are going to give you some special bonuses and other actions, maybe provide an exchange for other cubes. For example, turn a blue cube into a gold coin, stuff like that. Uh, presumably, you've had a better use for that gold coin than you did for that blue cube, right? So uh, each turn, someone's going to roll six differently colored dice, and um, those dice are going to be the the pool of how many and what color of the cubes will be available. So a purple five means that if you select that die, you may have five purple cubes to use in in, in the future. Yeah, exactly. What the dice do is not only drive how many and what color cube you can get, but where they go on this windrose mechanic, right? That has a one through six on it and an arrow for the current turn. So if I took a a two red, I'm going to get two red cubes that I would put in space two, which means I'm not going to get to use those cubes for two turns. So the interesting part of that mechanic there is the lower the die number, the less I get, but the sooner I can use it. If I'm willing to delay my gratification a little bit, I, I will get multiple cubes, six, five, however many. Um, however, there is a pressure to always keep cubes in the very next slot because if if a turn happens and you don't have cubes, guess what? Stefan Fell gives you a little whack on the knuckles, right? A little penalty. So 
So there's this this weird pressure, um, really cool mechanic. So how do you use those cubes? Well, you can move on the wall, which is basically turn order. Moving up the wall sets your turn order. But can be really important as well. Oh, yeah. Shipping. You can spend cubes to move your ship around the various sea lanes from city to city. Goods. You can spend the cubes to collect goods from the land that your ship will then deliver. And the, and the, the goods just kind of teleport to wherever your ship is. It's not like you have to go back and pick them up or anything like that. Speedboats come out and speedboats, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, helicopters. <laughs> um, activating cards is the other thing you can do with the cubes, right? You can you've drafted these cards into play. The game says, "Hey, you got to get these off because there's more come in and you don't have room. You're gonna get a penalty, so you have to spend cubes to activate these cards, which is a really an important pressure in the game because that adds like what you were saying, where the turn order on the wall can be important because. This is a drafting game of cards, right? So if I'm fourth in the turn order, I'm you're going to get, get crap cards. Yeah, you're going to get <laughs> stuck with really hard to fulfill and maybe right. not the best reward cards out there. Absolutely. So uh, victory points wins, and there's lots of ways to get the victory points. It's usually the delivering of the goods. It's the the buildings offer some things. And um, point salady, would you say? It's not that bad of a point salad for Feld, like. This isn't Castles of Burgundy. Fair enough. To where you get points for spelling your name right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you need a computer program to track your scoring on that one. But anyway, uh, what's cool about this game? As I mentioned, I I think that the mechanic of the lower the die number, the sooner I'll get to use the cubes, but the fewer they are, is, is, dare I say, genius. Immediate reward versus long term, and right. I, I versus I, the pressure of I need cubes now. I I put that as my number one thing. Awesome. It's just the win rose mechanic in in and of itself, and the way the dice play into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy that, and it, it kind of rolls into the. I just dig that the problems that the game forces you to solve. Yes, I really enjoy making lemonade out of lemons based on you know quote unquote bad die rolls, right? And just having to. Always adjust in this game and always – you can have an overarching plan, but you really, really ha- are, are – it's determined what you can do based on the dice and how you've planned by grabbing – are you going to go for one huge move later on or are you going to do, you know, uh, a, a thousand little cuts as we go in fewer moves yes. throughout, you know, the, evo- the, the turn of your Wern rows each turn? I, I kind of feel like what you're talking about is, is something I enjoy too, how the game works against me. It, I feel like it's kind of sandboxy because, okay, I can move my ship anywhere I want. I can put any goods on it I have the cubes for. I can move up the wall if I want to. Um, I, I have to take a building. Hopefully I'll have a purpose for the building, but I might not. Mm-hmm. I might have to just build it just to get it the hell out of there. And and what that's telling me is, like, even though it's kind of sandboxy, the sandbox has these laws of physics. This is going to give you a penalty. This is going to give you a penalty. This is going to give you a penalty. So you need to move against that. It's a quick sandbox, I would think of it as. Like quicksand? Yeah. <laughs> yeah to where nice. it's a sandbox. Go do what you want, but it's going to constantly. Sucking you down. Exactly. Nice. Nice. I, I totally agree. So I, I, I know a lot of people aren't huge fans of this, but I like the, the mechanic and the way the variable point buying based on the economy of the cards comes out each oh, turn. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I, I like the way that that is determined. I don't know if I really like just 
the actual concept of it. I just sure. appreciate the way it goes about doing yeah. it. And sometimes it'll be a good deal to buy victory points, and sometimes it'll be stupid bad. Right. Elephant in the room, dice, random factors. Lots and lots and <laughs> lots of random in the card draws specifically. Yeah. Now here, I'm a fan of the way the dice rolling puzzle in the game, the puzzle that it presents you. I, I, am I too. like I am that too. randomness in this game. I think it's the evil genius. I agree. However, the randomness of the card draws, not so much. Not and so much. There are two that you'll see. Yes, of the six. Say, yeah, because there's 20, it, I forget. 12 turns in the game, so you'll see 24 cards the whole game. Two per turn, and then there's... And then you draw based on number of players. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so some a uh, small percentage of the cards you'll see, a larger percentage of the cards are just like, well, what turns up? Totally, totally random. Yeah, so, and totally which, tactical. Which, totally tactical, but that means don't ignore the wall. Make sure you get the first choice, second choice. Fair point. Again, it's point salad Feld. Either you like it or you don't. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. I mean, the theme is is just shite. It's just the... the, the is there one? Yeah, exactly my point. <laughs> we don't care, but I know some of our listeners do, so there you have it. I think Macau is Portuguese for no theme. <laughs> um, it's out of print. I think maybe Tasty oh, is Minstrel is our best hope at getting another Beca- print run going. Because they're doing, they're doing that, some that Feld. Sense. Sure, so I, I don't know. And I guess they did do Aquasphere as well. Yes. So graphic design wise, um, the <laughs> GC and the AC oh, yeah. uh, for gold coin and action, action cubes. cubes. Just show a damn pick of what you mean. <laughs> right. Like have a coin a or cube. cube. It's sure. just ju- it's just too easy to confuse them. And I feel like they they tried to be clever in the way they condensed the wording sure. on the cards and everything. But just stop. What? Period. One thing I like about this very brown game is that the colors aren't red and blue and green. I mean, there are it's brown and yellow and white, two shades of brown. You know, I, I like that. Actually. Muted colors. Yeah. Again, that's yeah. kind of our, our our thing, what we dig. So um, do, you, do you have any sort of rating or summary for this game? You know, I went back and thinking about this. I think this is only my second or third play oh, ever really? okay. of the game. Okay. So no, okay. um, I... It's felled. I mean, I, I don't dislike it. Yeah. I didn't put it okay. in the auction right. that we just had uh, not too long ago. So uh, Amanda, I think, only played it once, and that was forever ago. So it's okay. something that I want to break out more and, sure. and get a better feel for before I give it a rating. Well, I I have an opinion. I've played it many times. Well, I have an opinion. I just don't have a rating. <laughs> gotcha, no. gotcha. Go ahead. I, I think it's a bit of a divisive game. You know, the game plays you. It's too random. It's dry. It's themeless. But – it's a sought-after game that actually has a bit of a price in the aftermarket. And it's ranked 7.46 on BGG. So um, as divisive as it is, it's got a great following. Um, and I think it's because the, the, the dice and the win-rose mechanic. I just I think that makes the game for me. I think that makes the game for a lot of players. That, that pressure of, you don't know what it's going to be. i got to take this, got to do that. Save for the future. Got to use some now. The adjustments yeah. that it forces you to make, right? Um, I've owned it and played it for a few years. Uh, it did survive the great Stefan Feld purge of 2015, where I, <laughs> where I dumped half my Feld games out. Um, and, and I do enjoy it quite a bit. And again, the win rows, the dice, whatever they suck, but hey, it's part of the it's part of the genius, the necessity of that mechanic. I think uh, Herr Feld, he likes to screw you over that way. Um, 
I do play the game like it's a living beast, and I don't know everything about every turn until that turn gets there. But I just need to manage that. And for this way to game, that's that's completely wonderful. But these are precisely the reasons I love it and precisely the reasons I can't play it too often. For me, uh, playing Macau is like visiting a far-off city that you love. It's it's The city's a little seedy and it's filthy, but it's got some great highlights. You know what I mean? The food is fantastic. The food is fantastic. You don't visit the city very often, but when you do manage a visit, you thoroughly enjoy yourself. That's how I feel. But And when I leave town, I've satisfied my Jones, and I know I don't require a speedy return. So... Cool. For me, the game's a five. Okay. All right. Rock on. Once in a while. Okay. So small doses? Yes. Five. Yes. It, it would overstay its welcome otherwise? If we think? played it too often. Yes. Okay. All right. Fair point. Macau. Lassen Sie uns über Neue Heimat zu sprechen. Neue Heimat, published in 2007, designed by Klaus Zock and published by Chili Spiel. Rest in peace. Player count is two to five players, and it plays about 45 minutes per game. And ideally, you're going to play three games of this. So Mm -hmm. you're looking at two to two and a half hours. Or if you have to, just one game, about 45 minutes. Availability and cost. Well, the bad news is that Chili Spiel went out of business late 2014 or early 2015. That is bad news. So there's that. However, they are apparently still making copies on demand for folks. I asked Velma over at Game Surplus if she could see about getting, say, a dozen copies or so in, and she did. And they're going to be in stock, hopefully, sometime next week or the week following. Yay, Velma. So if you are interested in the game, you dig the review and want a copy, I recommend emailing her stat. Um, Yeah, you know. The things we do for our listeners. Games at gamesurplus.com. There you go. Um, they're going to go quick uh, because this is highly out of print otherwise, or at least we mm-hmm. everyone thought mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, er, early and often email. So what's going on in Neue Heimat? Neue Heimat, or New Home, is the simplest game that we have ever featured on Heavy Cardboard thus far. However, the depth to the gameplay is as wonderful as it is nasty. In Neue Heimat, players are real estate developers vying for the opportunity to build in a new housing development. Well, that's the theme at least. It's a closed economy game where each player starts with 12 million euros, or you can call it as we do, everybody starts with 12 bucks. (laughs) So in a four-player game, that's 48 bucks total, and that's all that will ever be in the game. Mm -hmm. Players are going to use that money taking sequential turns, auctioning off one of the game's items. House floors, represented by a six-sided die, ranging in value from one to six. Roofs, ranging from zero, or blanks, to sixes. Special building permits, the mayor, and the cancel block. On a player's turn, they'll choose one of the items I just mentioned and put it up for auction. It's a once-around auction, and the auctioneer has last licks. They either accept the highest bid or match it and match it. They can either accept the highest bid and get paid that amount or match it and pay the player the amount of that highest bid. Right. In addition to auctioning an item, they can also go south and embezzle a buck each turn. Oh, yeah. Doing this removes a dollar from the game and just counts as one victory point for the player at the end of the game. 
The colored floor cubes are the meat and potatoes of the game and the main way you're going to manipulate relative scoring. Mm -hmm. There are 36 potential values, one through six across six colors, but only 24 are used in each game, resulting in a different set of color and number combinations each time the game's played. To add further variation, the order in which the cubes are placed matters. There are only six cubes on either end because there's three rows of eight that are available for auction at any given time. The winner of the floor auction is allowed to place a cube on the board spot of their choice with a couple restrictions on where they can put it. Floors can only be placed on top of previously placed floors if their value is lower than that of the existing floor, and floors may also be placed adjacent to the street or adjacent to another cube that makes it closest to the street, right. if that makes sense. Next available spot. There you go. Out, outward from the street. Cubes placed in fence spaces are ranches, so they can't have another cube placed on top of them. If you're the first person to place a cube of a particular color, you get that color's owner cube, and that determines that who's going to score for what color in a given round. The roof half-spheres are the other major item that's going to get bid on. At the beginning of the game, each of the half-spheres, or, or roofs, mm -hmm. is in a bag. And when you put one up for auction, you draw it out of the bag and auction off the one that you flipped over. Most of these roofs have numbers on them. The ones without numbers have a special impact on the game, depending on whether you play with the regular rules or publisher-approved variant or whatnot. In the base rules, if you flip over or if you pull a blank out of the bag, your turn ends and you toss it out of the game. It's widely considered to be uh, probably the lowest, the, the, only, the biggest negative to the game, the biggest detriment, as oh, it yeah. turns a tight, low-luck game into a tough, tight, high-luck game. It's childish. The publisher-approved variant is to simply have it so the blank roofs are worth zero points other than causing the player to effectively lose a turn. After a player wins an auction for a roof, they place it on a stack of floors of their choice. This increases, unless you're playing with the zero roofs, the point value of the building and is one of the conditions for successfully finishing a row. Now, building permits have a big impact on how many buildings are going to score and how the game ends. Each one allows you to either extend or a row by a number of spots, one, two, or three, depending on which of the special cubes you use, or reduce it by the exact same size, with the only limit that you can't change the size of a row such that building is no longer legal, meaning you can't negate a building that's already been built. Decreased row sizes increase the odds that the game will end based on, the fin on finished rows, Increased row sizes increases the odds that the game will end based on placed roofs. If all the rows are increased in size, it's possible that two or even all three of the rows will be incomplete at game end and will score negative for everybody <laughs> in it. Yeah. Finally, I love when that happens. Next to last, the cancel cube will remove one building permit. The player winning the auction for the cancel cube also has the ability to just Throw it out of the game and not cancel. or So cancel itself, basically, yeah, and yeah. just remove it from the game. Altogether, you're changing the shape of the playing area, too. It's, it's really pretty neat. The game ends when two rows of the housing development are complete, which means that each house in that row has at least one floor and one roof on it. Each house in a completed row is going to score positive points 
equal to the cumulative amount of the pips on each floor, or again, each die, mm -hmm. plus the value of its roof. If the mayor was placed in a row, double each house's value. Up or down. The houses in the row or rows that are incomplete will score the exact same way, except negative for the house <laughs> owner. Add up all the scores, negative and positive, add in any embezzled funds that you have, and you have the winner. Now, if you're only playing one game, that's it. Right. However, if you plan on playing multiple rounds of this, and we recommend that you do, you score it up and then reset the game. But you do not redistribute the cash. Right. Have fun. All right. First off, let's review the scalability. Cool. I've played it eight times thus far, and I've played it at three, four, and five players. Uh, auction games, in my experience, really aren't so hot to player, so right. I've avoided playing this as such. However, I have read that it actually plays pretty well as a two-player game, which surprises me, but I just haven't experienced it. Yeah. But I think I will. Uh, I actually don't know how many times I've played it. Okay. There, there's been quite a gulf since for my recent plays and the past plays, and... I don't know, maybe only five times or something okay. like that. And I, I do know that uh, this past Saturday was the first time I've played it with five. Cool. Rock on. So scalability. The more players, the more chaotic the game can be, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, I don't think. Right. I personally have enjoyed it across all three player counts that I've tried, three, four, and five, and I feel like I can recommend the game being played at all three of those player counts. I think uh, two, no interest. Okay. Three, sure. Four, absolutely. Five, no noobs. Unless we're teaching. Okay, fair enough. All right, on to the cardboard. So the components and graphic design. <laughs> cardboard? There's <laughs> very little in this Yeah, game, right, so. because, it, the, I mean, it's really solid, chunky, big wooden bits for everything in the game. Clear, Chunks of wood and garish colors. Yeah, which are good because they stand out. It makes it really easy yeah, and just crystal clear. To, to tell what's what. The board, uh, where you place the houses, I feel like the thing that came to mind when, when I was prepping for this was it kind of has a splatter feel to the artwork. Sort of a kitschy, simple art, but completely functional and yeah. easy to use. Uh, and to be honest with you, there, there's just not a lot in the game to screw up graphic design wise. It's just. Yeah, fair. It's really simple. No. I mean, it's a bunch of dice. and <laughs> Squares and some, with some numbers. Right, yeah. that's it. And half circles with some numbers. Right, or, I mean, if you were to make your own copy, you could use discs I with did. numbers. Right. Yeah. So, as far as the rule book and cl uh, clarity and quality, every copy I've seen of this, I've only seen the rules are in German. Um, the downloadable English rules, though, are easy to read. Yeah. And, honestly, there's only five small pages to read yeah. so really easy peasy and, and just really clear simple really game easy. too yeah so, so uh let me ask what makes this game i struggled with this yeah but in the end i think it's it, it's medium weight yeah I, I i feel like it has a lot of depth and a lot of really hard stuff yeah. but it's it looks like a stupid simple game yeah but I feel like there's enough there to bring it into the medium realm. What do you say? I, I agree that it's medium, but I think that when you're playing with everyone experienced, that it's the heavy end of medium because you can really get into you like like having noobs at the table, which is important because they need to learn the game. 
Because you want to evangelize reduces about Reduces the, you know what I mean? Like, let, lessens the weight. I, I uh, couldn't have said it better. And I hadn't thought of that, but I think you, you, you summed it up perfectly on that. Whether it's three, four, or five players, if they're all experienced players, right. oh, game on, dude. If we all came with our guns, look out. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so let's start off with complexity. You know, whether it's rules complexity or mechanical complexity. Okay, there's zero. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's really simple. Again, this is the simplest game that we featured. I just ran through. Basically, I think you could play the game. We, we try not to teach the game when we're going through our kind of overview. Well, it helps us win when we don't teach. <laughs> but I feel like I just, you could play the game just from listening to that. Um, yeah. after one orbit of the auctions, you're going to get the game mechanically and there's, there's just nothing here that gets in a, in no. a player's way rules wise. Tell me, tell me about, tell me what your thoughts are on like just planning in the game. Is there <sighs> any planning? There is. Cause I don't feel but... like it's like planning in, of the type that of most of the games we cover is our future. Okay. Keep going with that. Oh, Go okay. ahead. What? I feel like the planning is, um, is mainly in the front. Like what colors of cubes are in the distribution and what are their numbers and how might I use them? Which ones am I interested in being acquired? In acquiring, you're saying uh, once Which, the once everything's I, set up, right. and you, you kind of look at what's available right. out right. there and hmm, and kind of plan your Which strategy ones limit, there. Maybe limit um, f- scope of of risk <laughs> and of scoring, and and then you make a plan and you try you try to attack that plan, and then you'll have to adapt to being outbid or or various things or or what Stacked things am I gonna, and right, right, and, and yeah. a lot of that depends on where they are in the. In the availability, like, you know, you can only take the first cubes on the ends, right? So if the cubes you're after in the middle, it's going to be your turn. You have to put something up for auction. So, like, what am I going to auction and how to cover my track? I mean, that I think all the planning is, like, up front, and then it's like, boom, what's happening? Every yeah, turn is like, it, what's going on now? What's going on now? What's going on now? Completely. Agree. Yep. Okay. So, random and luck factors, which we're going to get into this way more Throughout the review. Yeah, especially on that roof draw thing. But I'm just going to bring up the different things that, that that are in here. The only randomness in the game is in the initial setup of what floors are available and the drawing of the roofs. Again, there's that designer-approved variant that allows the placement of the zero-value roofs, but we'll get into that here in a little bit. The cool thing about the random of the cubes is... You pull them out, there they are, that's what they are. Everyone can see it, it will not change during the game. It's only really variable setup. Correct. More so than random, I think. Whereas the roof draw, it, by the legitimate rules of the game, are is purely like, what am I pulling out of the bag now? Right, right. Assuming that the variant is used, in my opinion, this contributes to the weight of the game. As written, yes. it detracts from the weight as the loss of one's turn just doesn't uh, quite fit with what the game's trying to do. Dude, it is just a childish, antiquated mechanic for a game that should be taken fairly seriously. Yeah, even though it doesn't necessarily look at it right. at a glance. Right. <laughs> right. So, game length. I feel like the game just plays quickly, and each decision can be agonizing, but it adds zero to the weight of the game. I agree. So, as I, I do have a general okay. weight thing Hit me. that that didn't really fit in was like the weight i see from turn to turn to turn is is the valuation of a cube like person a whoever that is me or you or some other player at the table puts up this red 3 for bid what the hell is that thing worth 
to each and like that. How much is that worth to Edward? How much is that worth to, to Paul Chad? How much is that? You know what I mean? It's like every cube's valuation is where the, I think the, the AP, if you will, the weight of that decision is because it, because it's different. Because it's different to every person and every item yes. that comes up for bid. Right. You have to make that evaluation for every single person. How bad is it going to hurt if I don't win that cube? And if you know, I do win it, do I have a purpose of winning it? Right. Why, Why am I bidding on exactly. this? Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Maybe I'm bidding on it just because I can't let somebody have it for two. Right. It's Yeah, that valuation stuff is tough. Agreed. So getting it? I think fairly quickly. You're going to understand the mechanics near instantly, uh, very early. And you're going to have a whole lot of aha moments in your first handful of games, to be honest, as players, as you see new strategies and things you hadn't even thought of. Aha and, oh. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. Cool. All right. So let's start listing off the things, and there are many that make this enjoyable and why. Okay. First thing for me, simple rules. Really simple. The play is where your brain gets bent, and the valuation of a block, often its placement is very simple, but the valuation of it is is rarely simple. Agreed. Such a simple, innocent-looking game. Very. I love that it, it hides... It childlike. It, it hides its brutality in plain sight. Wolf in sheep's clothing. Exactly. And much like some winsome games, I know, shocking that I'm a fan here... Beginners usually fail to grasp the subtleties and, and feel it's swingy and out of their control and just totally random. Yeah, yeah. But it's really not. It's the players manipulating the other players. Yeah, it's it's like understanding of uh, who does this block benefit the most? Who's auctioning it? Who does it benefit the most? Do I have, depending on if you're playing with open money or whatever, do I have a general feel or, or knowledge of how much cash is available and things like that? And um, And again, as we mentioned earlier... Where where do I put this if I win it? Where is Fred going to put it if he wins it? How does that can, hurt can me? I Can I risk not winning this and allowing and not having to, to take the risk of bidding yeah. on it and bidding someone up, you know, that type thing? Yeah. Can I, can I risk somebody choosing where to place it? Because that can just make or break at times. And there might be times to where... I don't care what the cost is. I got to break the bank to be able to get this placement yeah. for, or or to win this auction for whatever it is because it's so absolutely vital at this moment that I do this. Someone might make a mistake, even like grab a cube that you know some another player that belongs to another player, thinking they saw something but they really didn't, and they end up getting stuck with it. It's just beneficial to me for them placing my cube for example there are times and i've been guilty of this a number of times to where there's only really one place it can go right so why are you bidding on it you dummy stop (laughs) doing that um so okay the components it looks cool on the table and it just doesn't look like anything else yeah. Uh, it, it does have a childlike kind of building block kind of mentality. Bright like red of, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> bright green and 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 uh, stupid uh, red domes. <laughs> Looks like a, I don't know, a Fisher Price game. <laughs> it really does. I mean, it's it's I I yeah. It, it just looks just childlike, but oh my, I, just completely not. That, that child's a killer. Every decision feels like a workout. I mean, there there is no 
dismissing anything out of hand. There are no, or very, very, very few non-decisions in yeah. this game. you got to keep board state in mind. You Unlike ships, you can't walk away and come back. <laughs> yeah, right. Ever-changing alliances and overlapping incentives come and go. Mm-hmm. And... Subtypes in subsequent auctions, like okay, you and I are, are you know, I guess in a roundabout way aligned for this one auction, yeah, yeah. but the very next one it might be completely. Hey, tables have turned. Absolutely, have we're we're going to talk more about this, but like in that last game, DJ Kyle and I had a lot of common ground in in the what we put up for bid and stuff. Right, the distribution of the initial blocks, right? So there's here's these blocks and these rows. Which numbers, which colors, who's on the ends, how deep is that one into the game? Um, as far as buried in the, right, in the stack, right, right, right. No okay. one's going to get to that to like the middle of the game, you know, those kind of things. I, the spread of the colors and the numbers, the, the best, um, I, I, that's just a fabulous uh, variation from game to game to game. Because, I mean, that's really, like we mentioned earlier, I th- where I feel like a lot of the planning is and that those cubes man that's that's the engine like and it's never the same we could play two identical games have the same people and the same going for the same strategies yeah. but change the setup it, of those cubes and, and it, it completely changes the game in one game two red cubes might come out in another six red cubes and it completely changes the game absolutely i really really like that it's a closed economy if folks are embezzling a lot <laughs> it makes for a much more austere economy and yes. you have to adjust for for do, just less money in the right, game. Right, because I can make money leave the game, but money never comes into the game. Yep. Yeah, that's very cool. Embezzlement is awesome. I love that going after zero colors, in other words, having control of no colors, is a legit viable strategy. It's not easy, but it's viable. So yeah, in our last game that we played Saturday, it's a five-player game. DJ Kyle and I never want a color. So we own no buildings. So our goal was make you guys go negative and us go positive. And our only chance of positive was by embezzling. We came we came exceedingly close, I feel. <laughs> it came down to the we, final auction, yeah. whether or not you or, uh, yeah, or there, uh, Sweater Mike was going to win it. And he had a little more money. And that was the tipping point right there where he could place the roof where he wanted to end the game instead of me being able to place it where I wanted to end the game. And had you done that, it would have come down to between you and Kyle because you guys wouldn't have had negative points. And me, Dave, and Sweater Mike would have all been, all would have finished the and game. And because in he got one turn more than me, the way, just the way the auctions all worked out. He had one more dollar embezzled than me, so he would have won. Yeah, by a point, which is, <laughs> and that that one row that was going to go negative, that was going to hurt big, a lot, because yeah. that was like I think that was that eight long, was it the five and yeah. three more? Yeah, it was eight long. Yeah, as opposed to yeah, it was just brutal. So kind of to go onto that, I love where it's possible everyone finishes with a negative score, or to put it another way. Scoring zero points very well might be a successful winning score. Absolutely it is. And I think that, um, especially with experienced players, the result, like in our five-player game, even though not everybody at the table was an experienced player, the result of the games are really not known until at least close to the end if people are playing well. If not, 
the end. Like that game, we did not know who was going to win until the last roof got placed. Because it was either going to be between you and Kyle or, or you me, and Mike, and Dave. Yes. There, there, it was almost like there were two sides to right. this between the five players. And I, and I like that, where you just don't know what... You, hey, I'm doing really good, but that could change. Hey, I'm doing really bad, but that could change. Yep. So a sentence I read during my prep kind of sums up one of the biggest keys to the game. Quote, Determining the right amount to bid can be particularly challenging, as it frequently is not about how much absolute money that you're bidding, but the relative position that a particular bid will establish between you and the other players and the power that that money will grant. Right. End quote. That's just, I mean, yep. there, there just aren't a ton of games out there that you have to take that into consideration. I just... That's wonderful. But again, that's kind of a uh, an example of what a closed economy can will, – will, the, the type of thinking that yeah. it's going to force you into. In our games, uh, we usually have a lot of uh, trash talking during those auctions and, oh. and misinformation and lying and laughing and – I don't lie. I bluff. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think that's, uh, I think that's pretty cool because, yep. you know, you're, you're – hey – you're, you're selling something. Right. Yeah, well, it then, could stink. Right. <laughs> when you're playing multiple rounds, as the game was intended, not redistributing the money between rounds provides a lot more maneuverability and planning long game strategy. Like, you can, you can plan on not getting any uh, ownership cubes for the first game and kind of punt on the first game mm-hmm. because the scoring in the game is there's a number of different ways you can do it. You can either do it by total score, you can do it by winning who, rounds, winning which rounds, is what I like, etc. But in this, you can punt on a round and then try and suck up as much of that money that's in the game as possible, and all of a sudden people are broke going yeah. into the second round, and now you can kind of bid and dictate actions for that whole next round. And I think that's... that. The game blossoms when yeah. you play multiple rounds as opposed to it kind of suffers a little if you're just playing one single individual sure. round. I think a scoring variant that might be cool is uh, first place gets – I'm just making this up because I'm just making this up. First place gets uh, 15 points, second place gets 10, third place gets 5, anything else, screw you. And then you play multiple rounds and you use those points – as who wins. So it's like, how good can you play during the entire, entire match, sure. for example? Because points are going to be just wild from match to match to match. One other way that you could do it is uh, if a player's won a round of the three rounds, they're in contention to win. Whether somebody's won two, it doesn't matter. Then it goes the total number of points. You could, you yeah, could do yeah, it numerous yeah, different right. ways on this. Hey, tactile element, placing the blocks, yeah, dig it. Yeah. Hey, drawing things out of the bag, not so much. (laughs) More on that later. Choosing what to auction and when to auction it is always important. Choosing something that's going to go for a high price helps your liquidity and hurts the winning bidder. But then again, maybe you're willing to overpay because you can't risk leaving the choice to where to place a piece. It's just too vital, maybe. Or you bluff. At it. If it's not your auction, you bid high, hoping someone squeeze a couple more bucks. There you maybe. go. Or, or, Hopefully, you don't get it dropped on you. Right. And, or just force them to pay just that little bit extra. Depending on the money rules you're playing with, just be aware of cash in the game. 
Uh, the permits, the expansion and the contraction of the board of the game space. Yeah, pretty darn cool. I, I dig it, and <laughs> it it just adds one more layer of of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's something delicious about not having any colors in which you can score, yet manipulating the auction so that all three rows score negative points. And since you don't own any of those colors of floors, you don't score negative, and you can win simply by not scoring negative. Just, again, that's just, yeah. dude, that is sweet. I dig that. The scoring in this game is definitely uh, uh, brilliant. All right, so I had a little fun with this. Okay. And if y'all want to have some fun... Go read the comments left for the game on BGG. Underneath the rating, the oh, comments, yeah, yeah. I had a blast with Yes. This. Here are a few of my favorite quotes. Right, I got right. like five or six of okay, them, but shoot. it's worth it. I don't think I've played another game with quite as much regular and, and expected screwage as Noya Hyman. Yeah. First thing when I hear that, I think of is diplomacy. Somewhat similar, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Overall, it felt like Kinesium math exercise further developed by Winsome. Mm. Okay, all right. This is the most cruel and twisted auction game I've ever encountered. You can really mess with people's plans, buildings, and scores. It's just fragile all around. When you have several skilled players, there's a multitude of possibilities to screw and get screwed. The auctions are just tense. Yes. Lovably brutal auction game. Your stuff can be used against you. Others' stuff can be used against them. Here we go. Brutal auction game. Knife's edge navigation between the treasure aisles of shared interest and pitiless shoals of fragile investments. <laughs> I swear you wrote this. Staying solvent through judicious auction choices in order to claim and protect your own stakes and responding properly to mutable prospects and valuations is a difficult, multi-layered challenge. In my first game, I was absolutely crushed, and I want more. And finally, deep brutal and intense i like it more each time i play it right on hey last thing for me the mayor and when you place him where you place him how he doubles the value of a row positive or negative just like the permit cubes and the expansion of the contraction of the area that's the expansion of the contraction of the scoring and uh yeah that can be a really critical auction for the mayor at times agreed two last things for me there are lots of variants to reduce the randomness in the game, which we're going to talk about here when we get to the other side of the coin here. Absolutely. And it's the only game in which I happily play with paper money. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What things, are there any that turn us off about the game? Not like as much? I will say that there are things out there that... Some people may not like, not necessarily me. How's something that? I don't like. Right. Yeah. So it can be a brutal game, and so you may have to choose with whom you break this game out with. Not grandma. Choose, choose carefully. <laughs> right. All right. Some players might not uh, be too keen on this. Much like some winsome games, beginners usually fail to grasp the subtleties and feel it's, it's just that swingy out of control. It's not going to be for everyone. So there's that. The game shines most when you play multiple rounds in a single game. Like I said earlier, the game kind of, you kind of lose something when you only play a second uh, a single sure, round. Sure. The game is perfectly enjoyable as a single round, but Absolutely. it's it is amaze balls. Treated like play. a match. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first of three right. type thing. Yeah. All right. So go ahead. Let's All talk right. about the 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 one thing Dude. that 
Random roof draw. It it just kills me. Um, it's a it's a stupid stupid blemish on an otherwise incredible game, but it's easily remedied, right? So, couple, three things. Just get rid of them. Throw the blanks out. That'd be a good start. You don't use them anyway in the original rules. Now, but the other thing is treat the blank roofs as zeros, but just end after twelve or drawn because you don't want to mess with making not owning a color a viable strategy. And if you had more than twelve roofs, you would cut into that. And then the one I think I really like is just draw 12 roof tiles, treat zeros as zeros, put them face up in two, three rows, just treat them like the cubes. Okay. Look, I got one more idea on this. This is me just kind of pulling this out uh, during, you know, reading and stuff. It, it popped in my head. Tell me what you think. Okay. Take out three of the zeros. Okay. Okay. So, so there's two, two of left. everything. Right. Okay. The zeros are auctioned as zeros. But instead of being zero value, they cancel the whole stack that they're placed on. Yeah. Too too swingy, you think? I don't know. It might be interesting as okay. a, as a variant, but okay. I think that cancels all the hard work of getting cubes in stacks. Fair point. Yeah. And, and I, I I'm not saying it was the idea, right, it just right, right. you know popped yeah. in my head. Yeah. In my opinion, if you're listening to this, the way you need to play it is leave the the bag draw. Fine, I'm okay with it. Take three of the blanks out and use the zeros as zero point, and that whatever removes don't, a you don't huge... even have to take any out. Just treat them as zeros. But but whatever you do, twelve roofs. Yes, that's all you want. Yep, that and and get rid of the you lose a turn. Yeah, that thing that, on if you draw a zero. That's just ridiculous. Yep. Um. So that kind of goes on to my last thing. There are a ton of variants out there which. Having variants uh, kind of turns some people off. Oh, I just want to play the game as it's written. Da, da. You cool. can't do that. Do it, but I'm not. <laughs> right. They're, they're, it ruins what is an absolutely amazing game if you do it. So just there you go. All right. So we have a couple questions from the guild that we may not have touched on directly. So yeah. here we go. First question. How many fist fights have broken out because of Noya Heimet so far? 17. No, <laughs> zero. Nah, none yet. <laughs> yeah. But there has been lots of cussing at each other. Oh, yeah. Uh, so nothing more than just verbal jabs and a lot of, a lot of MFs out yeah, at yeah. the table. Which is all awesome. Yes, absolutely. How's this game play with two? Uh, I don't know, but I've read it yeah. plays well. But again, it's an auction game, so I'm hesitant. Ask a little player count. There you go. Yeah, yeah ask Travis and, and company. Uh, does this game any go with five? I think it is. You know, possibility is one player could have no color, but heck, in our last game, two players had no colors. And it was viable. I I, I think... um, It totally is. The the person who asked said, you know, it could have been because they were new and beginners. I think that's exactly what the case was. I think you should try to get a color, though. (laughs) I think... And I think four is the sweet spot. I'm not willing to necessarily agree nor disagree with sure, that. Sure, sure. But I think it plays well three through five. Cool. Okay. So uh, why don't you bring the summary home, or do you want me to go first? No, I'll do it, okay. but we'll do the ratings afterwards. Yes, sir. Summary, summary, rating, rating. I got to say, when I stumbled upon this game on BGG a couple years ago, I completely dismissed it out of hand due to its childish-looking components. 
I had no idea that it would later go on to become one of my all-time favorite games. That's not to say that I'm terribly good at it, just that I simply adore the twists and turns that the game provides me and the other players. A knife fight in a phone booth is one app description. Yes, some variants are required to make the game a better version of itself. But even so, it's hard for me to put a whole lot of games above this one. I keep saying that I don't like abstract games. Yet Mr. Zock has two of my all-time favorite games, both of which are complete and total abstracts. Oh, Klaus. Who'd have thunk it, huh? Yeah. Um, for me, I, I don't consider this a heavy game. I do consider it a median game. Um, and again, heavier than that if uh, all the players around the table have their, uh, have their heads on straight about what's going on in the game. I love auctions. These are brutal auctions. They're cloaked in extortion. And, and I really, really love that. I think the tactical situation from bid to bid to bid is very, very critical. And there's a large enough degree of variance that uh, gives the game actual weight and, and depth in its play. I am terrible at this game, but I freaking love it. I made my own copy, and I'm still going to ask Velma to send me one of the ones she gets in. So maybe it's only 11 copies. Sorry, guys. Yeah. All right, so for ratings, we rate 1 to 6, 1, Light It on Fire, 6, Hall of Fame, and everywhere in between. There's a lot of wood in this one. It would burn real nice. It would. It absolutely would, but I would kill you. <laughs> yeah, I would never burn this. All right, so you first. Uh, 5. This is a terrific, great, great game. Get it. For me, it's a 6. This is my all-time favorite auction game. Many folks use modern art as the model for auction games, but for me... I would choose this every day and twice on Sunday. I simply never, ever tire of playing Neue Heimat. And for me, that makes this an absolute Hall of Fame game. And again, it's Neue Heimat. As we wrap up the show here, there were a couple of questions that uh, didn't really pertain to anything in particular, any of the games that we were talking about. Just so we figured we'd hit General on General questions. So first off, I have a quote, I have a very strong desire to get all the expansions, promos, etc. for a game. I know that this isn't always logical. However, I remember from the container episode that you thought the expansion really added to the game. Now that I have the Spiker stat, a felled favorite of ours, nice. I see the expansion is quite expensive. As I consider it, I'm curious about your opinions on expansions for games in general, as well as the ones you think would add a lot to the games, ideally the ones you've reviewed already. Sure. So I think that, uh, for me, tell me what you think, but in general, expansions are not something that's really, really sought after by me. For certain games, they are, but a lot of the games that we um, cover at, in with heavy cardboard really don't. I don't know, lend themselves to expansions? Exactly. There, there, there are exceptions. Container. Sure. Um, and some others. Agricola, which, right, which right. we'll talk about here in a minute. Do you, do you feel the same? I'm a completionist at heart. And sure. I, I, I've worked really hard to break myself of that. And so I, I, do agree, I do agree that for the most part, it's the exception as opposed to the rule yeah. that the games that we like and the games that we feature a lot of the time just don't lend themselves. So yes, I agree. For me, I'm only getting an expansion in one of two instances. One, it's a game that I really, really dig and I just want more of it, whatever sure. it is. Um, secondly, 
um, and you could probably speak really well to this, Magnum Saul Murray, is <laughs> if, there's, if there's an expansion out there that I see for a game that I want, and I find it for a good price, I'll probably snatch it up just right. in principle, which is like what I, I did, which yeah. I just did for the Kaivai expansion, even nice. though I don't have the game yet, but I, I went ahead because I got it for a good price. Cool. So as a general rule, those are the two reasons I'm going to get an expansion nowadays. So let's toss a couple back and forth here. So um, the, the questioner asked about container, and yeah, we, we said that was important, and Agricola, Farmers of the Moor, hmm. we talked about that hold, one. Hold on real quick. Okay. Regarding container... There are two aspects of the expansion, because it's very modular, right. that we like. The gold, which is an extra resource, yep. and the player loans. Yep. But I'll be honest. The player loans, you don't need the expansion for that. Just, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. do pieces of paper, sure, and we're sure, doing player sure, loans. Sure. So when we say it adds a lot, yes, but I wouldn't say it's vital, especially for the price that it's commanding. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I just so. wanted to make sure so. that was clear. Okay. It does add, though. Yes. Farmers of the Moor, we talked about that in the Agricola episode. Just like I've yet to play a just, game of Agricola yeah, without it. Just get it. Now, the writer asked about uh, Spiekerstadt, and I think that this expansion is... is Divisive. Yes, it is. It is, because um, I, I, I play it. I have it. I've played with it. I enjoy it. Um, but some people really don't like it because it muddies up um, the simplicity and elegance that are the auctions in Speicherstadt. It does give you one more meeple, but it gives you places to put more meeples. And so it, it, does, it is kind of a, it's a mixed bag. I, I really, really, really dig the additional cards and the metal money. I was just going to say, the yeah. metal money is cool, but you don't need to spend that much money for Freaking metal money. No, in, in fact, from uh, spielmaterial.de, you can just get the metal money. They oh. sell it as an item. And so I, it, it's a try at first, I think, for, for Kai Spiker. I completely agree because, in my opinion, it's completely unnecessary. Um, I it like. I, I think the Spiker stat is is wonderful for what it is. And it it's almost like how the, the Roll yeah. Through the Ages had that expansion and it just made it more than it should be. Yeah. It just... It, it breaks what it does. For me, it would be perfect if I could have those cards, but not the additional auction spot. <laughs> okay. So. All right. So, uh, one that I recently sold, but I feel is mandatory for it, mm -hmm. Cuba with the El Presidente expansion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. If you're going to get Cuba, get it with the El Presidente expansion. I think it makes a mediocre game 5% less mediocre. I think it's more than that, <laughs> but I don't think it's necessarily a great game. With or without. My but wife does, made, made me keep Cuba and El Presidente in our collection. So. I I didn't have that problem. But yeah. that said, it does make it a better game. Viticulture in Tuscany. Absolutely. No brain. Hands down. Do it. Um, yes. The end. Uh, Puerto Rico. Um, you know, I guess there's a Nobles and Buildings expansion. I'll be honest. I have the limited edition, so I've never played it without. without. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know. I have. It's. I think it's a good one. It's okay. One, it's one to get. And, and the last one, Village, Village Inn, Village Port. Don't even think about it. At least with Village Port, get it. I agree. This is one that actually changes the game. It removes an existing element of the game. And Which puts was a weaker, a weaker aspect yeah, of the game, yeah, I feel. To some, to some, sure. So I say Village Port, yes. Village Inn, yeah, take it or leave Village it. Village Inn adds to the game. Village Port changes the game. And Village Port's, I think, really cool. Okay, fair. So uh, here's another one. All right. I remember Feld games used to be all about planning ahead, like the like the effects of your actions this turn were more important for future turns. Year of the Dragon, two thousand seven; Macau, two thousand nine; 
uh, Spiker stat 2010 come to his mind. Then point buffet style happened, and I started to care less for his games. Could this explain why some people love and hate Feld? Is there an old Feld and new Feld? Well, okay, because um, I, I kind of struggled with this question a bit, mm-hmm. and um, I, I'm kind of tr- half turning around here and looking at, at, at my Felds. So let's see, the ones that I still own, Strasbourg, Aquasphere, Bora Bora, Macau, Castles of Burgundy, and Trajan. Uh, I would say that, and I don't own the Spikerstat just because I haven't found it yeah. for a good price, but I will. I own Spikerstat and Kai Spiker and got rid of Aquasphere. Other than that, our collections are the same. Okay. Um, well, I do have Amerigo, again, because the wife refused <laughs> to let me. We don't talk about that. I would turn it into a boat anchor. Aquasphere, I've only played once, so I don't really have an opinion on that one. But on the others, um, I sold it. Castles of Burgundy and Trajan well, well, and Macau. Is there an old Feld and a new Feld? See, I don't, I don't think there is. I mean, Feld has just been up and down. I think he follows his muse, really. Whatever, you know, all of his games are going to have some punishment element and stuff like that for the most part. But I think he really just follows his muse about what is in his mind right now and, and see those designs come to life. Because there are games I like across his catalog, skipping games in that catalog. There's right. not, for me, there's not an old and there's not a new... Um, I just I just sold half my felts. You know, it's just I I and I don't know if there's anything that really had planning ahead. I would I would compare Feld in this one respect to Martin Wallace. Some of his old stuff I can't stand. Some of his new stuff I can't stand. But there are yeah. some old, Good. some new that I really enjoy. Good correlate. So I, I I feel like it's just in a certain catalog. Same could go for any like Uwe Rosenberg. Same goes for that. So I think I don't necessarily think there's a delineation between newer point salady er yeah, no, Feld no. and older that isn't so much. Um, it's just some you, some we like, some we don't. Yep. The end. Right on. All right. On our way out, remind everybody how to get in touch with Heavy Cardboard. Well, first off, come to BGGCon and meet me and say hi and BS with me. That'd be great. I'll be the guy with the huge elephant on my head. No, I'm nice. kidding. I'm not going to wear gonna that. Bring the elephant? I'll bring it. I don't know if I'm going to wear it. Anyway, Twitter, at Heavy Cardboard. Again, it's going to be really busy the next few days. Facebook, Heavy Cardboard. Email us. God, we love getting emails from you guys and gals. So please email us. Contact at HeavyCardboard.com. The website, HeavyCardboard.com. The BGG Guild, number 2044. Come join the conversation. And last but not least... A final reminder, and and not begging, but big request. Leave us more iTunes reviews. Please get us on that front page. That would be huge. That would just be damn cool, damn it. Yeah. Thank you again to Game Surplus for their sponsorship of Heavy Cardboard. Check out their excellent inventory of games. A lot of imports, hard to find games, home of great games at great prices. Drop Velma and Amos a note at games at gamesurplus.com. Check out their site www.gamesurplus.com and tell them that Heavy Cardboard sent you. And don't forget, Noya Hyamit, send emails if you want a copy. Probably the first 10, 11, 12 copies, whatever. Be quick. Right and on. with that, hope to see you all at BGGCon, provided uh, this blizzard that's cutting out the power periodically while we're recording um, makes it to where we can fly out there that's tomorrow. Right. That's right. And uh, hope to meet a bunch of y'all and see a lot that I met last time. And other than that, catch y'all in a couple weeks. Good night, guys. Safe travel, Edward. Thanks. 